So we are in um, the last week of our Shepherd series, and this is the week I've kind of been looking forward to. I was telling the, the group this morning that um, this is the week I've been, I've been excited about because we get to talk about Jesus, and we get to talk about um, what this being the shepherd means for him and for us. And so everything up to this point has really been kind of setting the stage for this week. And so um, if you guys remember the first week, we talked about really setting that stage. What is Jesus walking into? We want to understand the background. We want to understand the context of what Jesus is walking into um, in this good shepherd where he comes and says, I am the good shepherd. What he's, he's walking into is a time and a place where you have this group of people who are supposed to be celebrating a great day or a great week in their heritage. They're great. Like they're celebrating Hanukkah. They're supposed to be celebrating this great time in their history. It's supposed to be an awesome week of celebration. But instead, what's going on is you have people who are frustrated. You have people who are angry. You have people who are asking the question, what is wrong with our leaders? They're asking the question, what are our leaders doing? Our shepherds, we're supposed to have these shepherds who are leading us, who are taking care of us. And they're asking, where are the good shepherds? Where are the good leaders? Why, why is it that they, our leaders are continually leading us into this place of suffering? Why is it, if you remember, the Jewish leadership at that time was trying to get the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, to assimilate into the Roman society and become like the Romans? And they're, they're going, why are you guys doing this to us again, right? And so it becomes a time of lament and frustration for the, for the Hebrew people, for the Jewish people, and they're asking, where are our good leaders, and it's in that moment that Jesus walks in on the scene and he says this passage from John that we're about to, to read. Um, but he, as he walks in, remember last week we talked about uh, what he did. He comes in, sets the scene, and, or as we set the scene, he walks in, he can contrasts. What does a good shepherd look like? What does a bad shepherd look like? And so we talked about last week um, as Christians how we, what we need to do to watch out for the bad shepherds. Right, Because Jesus, he doesn't just say, I'm the good shepherd. He says, there's bad shepherds out there. Here's how you watch out for them. Here's what you need to do. And we talked about these three things. The first thing bad shepherds do that we need to look out for is they sneak into the fold. Right? They, they try to sneak around and they try to sneak in to the sheep pen where the sheep are being kept. The, Jesus says the good shepherd walks in through the gate, but the bad shepherd tries to sneak in. And we talked about how, um, how we watch out for people who try to sneak in. Sneak in. One, they're usually people who are, don't have anybody in authority over them, so they just kind of do whatever they want. Secondly, we talked about how um, people who sneak in the sheepfold, they, like to, they diminish the Bible. So if you have teachers and preachers who are saying, well, the Bible's important, but it doesn't really say, it says this, but it doesn't really say that. You need to watch out for those people. That's dangerous. The um, true shepherds, good shepherds hold the Bible in the standard of man. The Bible is our standard. The Bible is God's word. There's, right, that, that's where you need to land. And so watch out for people who say, well, it's God's word, but there's some mistakes. And watch out for those people. I told you guys the story about um, how I had a friend at Starbucks who uh, was constantly trying to poke holes in my faith. Right? We were friends, and I come to find out later on as he's coming and we're having these conversations of, well, you know, Jesus didn't really die on a cross. Well, you know, Jesus really wasn't really God's son. What he was doing was trying to diminish the Bible, poke holes in my faith, and I found out later on he was part of the cult. <laughs> so you, you watch out for those people, right? I told you a story about a friend of mine who accidentally joined a cult. How do you accidentally join a cult, right? Well, what happened was she was going to this to a Bible study with a guy that was leading it, had no authorities over him, wasn't part of a church. He's just doing this Bible study on his own, and he was diminishing Scripture. Well, Satan wasn't really real, all these kinds of things. Watch out for those kind of people. 
So the, the bad shepherd sneaks into the fold. Um, the bad shepherd has come to bring destruction, right? We talk about how we put our faith in these other shepherds, and at the end of the day, they, they let us down. We talked about all different kinds of shepherds that do that, and then finally we said, man, the bad shepherd abandons the sheep in their time of need. Why does he do that? Because the bad shepherd isn't here for your interest. The bad shepherd's here for his interest. And so when times get hard, when the wolf comes, into the, to, comes to the gate, the bad shepherd's out because he doesn't really care about you anyways. So we wanted to watch out for the bad shepherd. And I think that it's interesting um, that we can actually learn a lot about what the good shepherd needs to look like as we study the bad shepherd. Right? Like anybody, don't raise your hand. But you know how there's people who have, you have really bad parents and they ended up being really great parents? because they learned a lot about what not to do from their parents, right? So I think as we study and studied, looked at the bad shepherd last week, I think we can learn a lot about what the good shepherd needs to be. And so I'm excited this week that we get to talk about the qualities of the good shepherd, why Jesus is the good shepherd, why he's our shepherd, and why it is that as a people, as Christians, not only should we follow him, but why we should do it ex- and excited, man, why we should be pumped by the fact that we get to follow Jesus as our shepherd. And so I'm going to read from John 10, starting in verse 1. And then really what I want to do is just kind of walk through what Jesus says about the good shepherd. So verse 1, he says, I assure you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the door, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his sheep outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them them this illustration, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus tells them this story, and they're like, what is he talking about? So Jesus breaks it down for them. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he does not own the sheep, and, or excuse me, the hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and he runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is the hired man and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I, have come, but I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, out also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd, and this is why the Father loves me, because I am laying down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to pick it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And it says again, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is crazy. Why do you listen to him? While others were saying, these aren't the words of someone demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
So immediately we see this picture of Jesus walking in and he describes himself in many different ways. And we see in the story that he told to the Jews, to the Hebrew people at first, he said the first thing he says is um, that the true shepherd enters in through the door. So the first thing we know about the good shepherd is he comes in through the door. And you say, right, okay, that's okay. Right, if you remember last week, we talked about how sheep are dumb. Right? And how it's kind of insulting that the Bible always refers to God's people as sheep, right? But he talked about how sheep are dumb and how um, the thing about sheep, the reason or one of the things that they do because they are dumb is if, say, I'm a sheep and I'm just sitting right here and there's grass, green grass all around me, I'm going to eat all of the grass right here and I'm not going to move. Sheep are too stupid to see if there's grass 10 feet over there to walk over there and eat the grass. Instead, they're going to eat all the grass right here around them until it's all gone. And then when they run out of grass, when they've eaten it all, they're just going to eat their poop and then they are going to die. Instead of walking 10 feet to the green grass, sheep are really smart, right? So what shepherds had to do is they were constantly moving the flock from place to place to green pasture to green pasture to green pasture so that they could have food because they were too dumb to walk 10 feet over and get their own grass. So as they would do this, at the end of the day, what they would do is move the sheep back into the pen, which was oftentimes up against like a rock, a cliff, or it had like a wall, rock walls high up. And the sheep or the shepherd, what he would do is he would either build a gate and sit at the gate or he himself would act as the gate. So what Jesus is saying is the true shepherd uh, stands at the door. The true shepherd is the gate. The true shepherd comes in through the gate. He stands at the entrance point. Jesus explains in verse 7, he says, So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go out and find pastures. And this has really a twofold meaning, and we'll get into it a little bit deeper in a second. But one, he's saying he's the one that allows people in and out of the gate. And secondly, he's saying really clearly, I am the one by which people are saved. He's saying if you enter in through me, it is only through me that you find salvation. It is only through me that you find life. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So back up in, in verse 3, the second thing Jesus says, so first we know about the, about the shepherd is that he acts as the gate, and it's only through him do the true shepherds come in. Verse 3 says this, So the doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. So again, Jesus says some really cool things about the shepherd. The first thing he says this is, well, it speaks to um, just the overarching theme is this intimate relationship that the shepherd has with his sheep. And we're going to see that throughout this entire passage as he talks about the shepherd, the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. So the first thing that he speaks to that has to do with this intimate relationship is he says the shepherd calls his sheep by name. Any of you guys have pets in here? Yeah? Do you, do you name them? Like, I have a pet, Charlie, right? I'm not like, hey, dog, we named him Charlie, right? We gave him a name. He's our pet. He's our dog. We love, he's part of our family, right? Jesus says the shepherd calls his sheep by name. So if you think about it, what he's referring to is this intimate relationship. I know my sheep well enough that I, I know individually who they are, what they're defined by. I know distinguishing characteristics about them so much so that I can name them and know who they are. 
right? If I had a whole bunch of sheep, I'd be like, um, Larry, 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 Larry. That's how I'd have to name it because I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Like, I can barely tell twins apart, right? Okay, so I wouldn't do very good with a whole bunch of sheep, right? He's saying the shepherd intimately knows his sheep so much that he can call them by name. And that actually wasn't an unusual thing for back then. The shepherds, as you know, this was uh, a shepherding people. And so this, the, they, had, they actually would name the individual sheep. So Jesus is saying the shepherd knows his sheep by name. Secondly, he says the sheep know the shepherd's voice. This is a really cool thing as well. Back then, the sheep had, they knew their shepherd so well that they could distinguish who their shepherd was by his voice so that you would have other people come in, like the bad shepherds would come in, try to sneak in, try to lead the sheep away and would try to call them away and the sheep would not follow him. They wouldn't follow these other shepherds because they didn't recognize the voice. The shepherd had such an intimate relationship with his sheep that they could distinguish him from other people simply by his voice. That's pretty impressive for stupid sheep, right? Talking about how dumb they are. They can't walk over to other grass, but they know their shepherd's voice. They know their shepherd's voice. So much so I was reading about this cool story um, that happened in the 1980s um, where in this, there was this Middle Eastern country that this small village had kind of had this dictator come in and he raised these really high taxes on the people in the town and they couldn't afford to pay it because there were such high taxes. And so what they did is they said, well, if you don't pay your taxes, we're going to take all of your livestock, all of your animals, we're going to put it in this pen. So if you can imagine these thousands of animals in this pen, this huge pen with all of these animals in it, and there's these guys guarding it. So one day this lady walks up, and this elderly lady, and her and her son, and she walks up to the guard, and she says, look, um, I, I, my husband is, is passed away. I'm, I'm a widow. All it is is me and my son, and we have no way of making money. That sheep are literally our life. They're our livelihood. And if you, if you take those sheep from us, we will never be able to even pay back the taxes because it's all we have. And so the, the guard kind of took pity on it and said, okay, well, I would let you have your sheep back, but there's no way that I can tell who your sheep are. There's so many animals. There are thousands of animals in this pen. There's no way. And so she said, well, there's my, I had 40 sheep. There's, if I can find out who they are, if I can distinguish them from the flock, will you let me have them? And the guard said, sure. Okay, fine. So what happens is her son pulls out a flute. He begins to play a tune on the flute. And one by one, you see the sheep pop their heads up and begin to make their way to the gate. And that day, that woman went home with 40 sheep. It's a beautiful picture of how the sheep know who their shepherd is. They know the true voice of their shepherd. So Jesus again is saying, I have such an intimate relationship with my sheep that I know them by name. I call them by name. I know who they are. I know what they struggle with. I know where they've been. I know my sheep. And they know my voice. And then he says this. I love this. And he said, and when I bring them out of the pen, when I call them out, I lead them out. We don't have the shepherd who's back prodding us like cattle. Like, come on, let's go sheep. Like, it may feel that way sometimes, right? Like sometimes in life you're like, God, come on, man, give me a break here. We don't have a God who's prodding us in the back like the cattle herder. We have a God who's out front. Jesus is saying, I lead the sheep. I go before them, right? He leads me, what, to still waters, to green pastures. I lead them out. It's this beautiful picture of our shepherd. Verse 7, so Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that they may have life 
and have it in abundance. And this fits so well with the song that they sang this morning. He said, you bring life, you bring hope, you bring peace. Jesus as, Jesus, as he's beginning to explain this parable, what he's speaking to is he's saying, I am the door. So he's like, not only am I the shepherd, I'm the door. I bring people through the door. It's up to me who comes through the door. And he explains that the door is the way to heaven. He's saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one that comes through the Father, but through me. And he's saying, I come to bring life, and I come to bring abundant life. He's saying, the people, man, you're, you're looking for life and hope in all of these different places, right? We look at our lives, and you see people who've tried to fill their lives with so many things, chasing so much junk, hoping to bring them this abundant life, right? And we talked about last week how people follow different shepherds, hoping that these different shepherds will bring them true life. But it's Jesus saying, I am the only one that brings true, abundant, fulfilling life. I love it, man. He's saying, I am the way to abundant life, and I've come. And he's not, he's not just saying, hey, I'm the way to abundant life. He's saying, I've come here to give you that life. It's so cool. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them, and this happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's so, many, there's so much richness in this text right here. I remember when I was studying this, and like, I, I remember I was reading through this, and Katie was in the kitchen washing, doing some dishes or something, and I was just in my office at the house, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to walk out and talk to somebody about this because this is so cool. And so I want to just tell you guys, so a few different things. First thing is that Jesus walks out and he says, I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say I'm a good shepherd. I'm one of the good shepherds. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. So he is the shepherd that all shepherds answer to. He is the final shepherd, right? Secondly, the only, the final shepherd. Secondly, he says, I am the good shepherd. So a lot of times when we think of this good, I am the good shepherd, we think of this idea of like soft and cuddly, like, oh, good, he's sweet, he's a good shepherd. Like, like you guys picture, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I picture this, like Jesus holding the lamb and he's like petting it, you know, oh, the good shepherd, right? That's not the picture that Jesus is actually painting here. This, this idea of the word good here, it's not good like sweet, kind, it's actually, it could be translated also as the noble shepherd the good shepherd, the fierce shepherd, the strong shepherd. The, the no, it's really the noble shepherd. And when you think about it, the idea is this. The shepherd's job isn't this cuddly sweet job. It's an exhausting job. It's a job where you're out in the sun all day long. You're up with the sheep all night long. It's exhausting. It's severe. It's tiring. It's hazardous. Being a shepherd is a hard job. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, the noble shepherd, the strong shepherd. And just as much as the bad shepherd is distinguished, remember, we distinguish the bad shepherd by his lack of commitment to the sheep, right? The bad shepherd's lack of commitment to the sheep is that, hey, man, as soon as times get hard, as soon as the wolf comes, the bad shepherd's out, right? We distinguish him by his lack of commitment to the sheep. When danger comes, he flees, flees because he cares more about his own self-preservation than he does about the flock. But the good shepherd, we distinguish him because he owns the sheep, he knows the sheep, and he has a passionate commitment to the sheep, 
He's saying, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd stays, baby. He's saying the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus' intention here is that his intention is to live to protect the sheep. The point that Jesus is making is that the good shepherd cares so much for the sheep that he's willing to come between the flock and danger, even if that danger causes him to lose his life. Jesus is painting a picture for us. If you can imagine, he's painting a picture of this flock that's under a siege, right? The wolves and the lions are at the door. They're beating down the door, trying to get in. And we have a shepherd who's standing at the gate with his rod and his staff, right? Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why do they comfort me? Because when the time comes to use it, Jesus is going to use it. And he's standing at the gate. He's standing in the way of the lions, of the the. The wolves trying to beat their way in. And Jesus, our shepherd, is un- the picture is this shepherd who's unwilling to lose even one. Who's saying, I'm going to fight my way. I'm not losing one sheep. The shepherd who, if you remember the story of the 99, I'll leave the 99 to go find the one. That's how important you are to me. We've been in our men's group, we've been studying David, or David says to, Goli- or says to, the, to the king, man, when the, when the lions came, I chased them down. I grabbed them by the mane. I killed those suckers. And that's the picture that we have of Jesus saying, I'm fighting for you. I'm gonna, when the lion comes, I'm going to chase him down. I'm going to grab him by the mane. I'm going to turn him, and I'm going to kill him. This isn't no good, cuddly good. This is good, fierce, noble, strong. And what's even more amazing about this Jesus who's saying, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. I stand in the gap. I stand in the way. I'm unwilling to sacrifice even one. What's more amazing is that in this, the reason why he does this is he points to this intimate relationship that he has with us, with his sheep. There's something really cool here that a lot of times I think is missed in this text. He says, I know my sheep and they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And a lot of times we move really past that because you don't really, what does that mean? But as I was studying this and beginning to kind of break this out, I began to understand what he's doing is that if you remembered, he contrasted the bad shepherd with the good shepherd, right? So he used that as, hey, you don't want to be like the bad shepherd. So he's using that contrast in a negative way, but here he's using a, a contrast in a positive way. What he's doing is contrasting the relationship he has with the father with the relationship that he wants to have, the relationship he has with his sheep. And so what he's saying is, as I know the father, I want to know my sheep. He's using the relationship that he has with the father as the example, as the, as the standard for the relationship he wants to have with you, a relationship of love, this deep sacrificial relationship, this deep profound love that he has with the father. He's saying, I want to have that with my sheep. Just as I know my sheep, the same way I know my sheep, I want that to be the same way I know the Father. The Father knows me. This is beautiful, man. It's beautiful. And this explains why Jesus is willing to die for the sheep. This explains why he says, I'm willing to die because he has a profound commitment to you. He has a profound commitment to you. I desire, he said, that I want to have this intimate relationship with my feet, this, this, this depth. Like, it's not this shallow thing. It's deep. He's saying the same relationship I have with the Father, I want to have with you. That's huge, man. It's huge. And it gets even, for me, it gets even cooler as we go on. He says this, 
verse 16. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring this Bring them along also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd, and this is why the Father loves me, because I am laying down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So first off, he says kind of something that seems kind of strange. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Just real quickly, if you remember, he's talking to a Jewish audience. And so even though the Old Testament constantly says salvation is for the world, the Jews were thinking that they were the only ones that God cared about. They were the only ones that God wanted to save. And so what Jesus Jesus is telling them without them even realizing it is that there's other sheep that I'm going to save that's not Jews. You know who he's talking about? Us. The world. There's, there's sheep outside of us that I want to save and bring to salvation, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring them in. And so that's, that's kind of what he's referring to there. He's talking about us. But then as he moves on, he says, this is why the Father loves me, because I'm laying down my life to take it up again. What's he talking about? He's predicting the cross. Jesus is pointing to the cross. He's saying, I'm going to die for you, and then I will take it up again. I will rise. What he's doing is he's pointing. He's, he's, even as he's talking to these people and it's going right over their heads, they're not even catching it. What he's saying is, I will lay down my life for you. I'm going to go to the cross, and then three days later, I'm going to raise myself from the dead. I lay down my life to pick it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down. So what we see is this picture of Jesus saying, the Jews didn't kill me, Herod didn't kill me, Pilate's not going to kill me. Every step I take to the cross is an intentional and on purpose, and it was my choice. And he's telling these guys it's going to happen way before it even happens. You say, well, why? Why does, he, why does he choose this? Why does he say it? Why is he telling us I'm choosing to go to the cross? Why does he tell them I'm about to lay my life down to pick it up again? Why does he do that? Here's why. It's because of his intimate love for the sheep. It's because of his intimate love for the flock. Because I was telling you earlier that Jesus says, look, if there's an enemy at the gate, the good shepherd's going to stand in the way. The good shepherd's going to stand at the gate, and he's going to fight off the enemy. He's going to fight off the lion. He's going to fight off the wolf. But what we miss is that he's not saying, I'm going to, or he's not saying, I will. He's saying, I'm going to, because there is an enemy at the gate. The enemy is death. The enemy is sin. The enemy is ourselves. It's our own sin. And what we deserve is death and hell for the rest of eternity. And what Jesus is saying is death and sin is beating down the gate. And the good shepherd is going to stand in the way. The good shepherd is going to fight the fight. The good shepherd is not going to let death win. The good shepherd is going to lay down his life for the flock. The good shepherd is going to the cross to destroy the enemy. And look at this. He says, the good shepherd, our shepherd, Jesus said, I will gladly lay my life down for the flock. Oh, man. It's not some like, what if, right? He's not saying, yeah, I love the flock. And yeah, if it comes down to it, I'll lay my life down for me. He's saying, no, death is beating down the door. Sin is beating down the door to give you what you deserve. But the good shepherd stands at the door and the good shepherd gladly lays his life down for you so that he can have the same relationship to you that he has with the father. Wow. 
Like he doesn't want this shallow, yeah, I'll just come on Sundays and, eh, you know, I think about God. Like he's saying, I'm doing this because I want this deep relationship with my sheep where they know my voice, where I know them by name, where they follow, right? Like it's this just beautiful picture that Jesus is telling us. He's saying, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And so how do the people respond? Humans, right? We're awesome. The Bible says, and again, a division took place among the Jews. Many of them were saying, he's demon-possessed. So Jesus is like, I love you so much. I want this intimate, deep, life-giving relationship with you, and I'm going to lay my life down for you. And they're like, demon. Man, we're stupid. <laughs> and yet others ask, can a demon open the eyes of a blind? Man, I ask you guys to come on up. The funny thing about this, as I I mock them and laugh at them, is that we still do that today, right? Like every time the gospel's preached, every time we talk about Jesus, what happens is people respond in one of two ways. Either they're they're like the people saying, demon-possessed, it pushes them away, we have the people who, where it draws us closer to him. And my hope is that as we talk about this today, that what happens here is I'm, as we're talking about the good shepherd and what he's done and what his desire is for you, that what that would do would draw you closer to him. That that would encourage your spirit. That I would encourage you. As we hear Jesus say, I am the Savior. I am the door. I have come to give you life. That we would react to that with open hearts. That we would receive it. That we would respond and say, I want to follow the shepherd. Wherever he goes, I'm going to be right behind that guy. My hope is as we hear there's only one good shepherd. As you hear that he is the door to true life, as you hear him say, I call you by name. You know my voice. I lead you out. I will lay down my life for you so that you can have this intimate, deep, true, abundant life and abundant relationship with him. I hope that that is attractive to you and that draws you in. You say, I want to go deeper. I want to know more. I want to, and I hope that this, as it did for me as I'm studying this, makes me fall more in love with Jesus, man. More in love with Jesus. So I want to ask you guys, let's stand together and let's worship our Savior. Like, if, if nothing else, I hope that this stirs your heart to say, I want to worship the Savior, man. I want to worship Jesus for this. I want to say this, man. Maybe today's a day where you need someone to pray with because what this stirred up in your heart is, man, I need some forgiveness or I need, I guess, revealing me there's some things I need to do. we got some guys out here with the, the badges on and if you need someone to pray with, they are there for you to pray with. If you need someone to talk to, maybe today you had a rough week and all you needed to know is to be reminded of how much the shepherd loves you and what, at what lengths he's willing to go to. Like, he's not saying, I will if it comes to it, die for you. He's saying, he's telling these people, I'm already on my way to the cross, man. I've come to the conclusion that I'm willing to die for you gladly a long time ago before you even knew you needed it. So whatever you need today, if you need someone to pray with you, if you just needed to be encouraged and be reminded of how good our shepherd is, the love for you, I hope that you found that. Let's, let's worship him. Father, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness and how you poured out your life for us. We forget what that means and what that looks like so often, Jesus. Lord, help us to worship you this morning. 
I pray that this stirs our heart and draws us closer to you, help us, helps us to, to see your heart for us, Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.